Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanflow and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Monday Night Raw, but also SmackDown, NXT, Tupac, oh! AW Dynamite, AW Rampage. Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, <laughs> roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a really good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by the Dadly Boys to review what I thought was a bloody brilliant episode of Monday Night Raw. Well, yeah, talk to them, because I can't tell any of our listeners why that is, but you this morning came in the office with it. What was funny... With a gimmick. You didn't so much as come in wanting to talk about how much you enjoy Monday Night Raw. You came in with what felt like a spring-loaded, impassioned defense of Monday Night Raw, almost knowing as if the the company you keep were not going to be quite as positive as you. So I don't feel as best place to give the the brief pre-show rundown in the way that you did before we hit record. Hmm. What do you think of it, Sige? Well, I'm kind of mystified by the WrestleMania direction at this point, which is in stark contrast to how I felt on Saturday night, Sunday morning, which was, oh, cool, it's this. <laughs> <laughs> so on some kind of warped level, they have my interest. Yeah. But it's a very warped level. And if you watch this thing for three weeks at a time, you can't possibly think it's good, Wilborn. Otherwise, you are literally goldfish. I've seen the Reddit post. <laughs> I have seen the front page of the Reddit post. So I know you're literally a goldfish. Mm. But if you weren't, if you're like me and Hamlet, you would recall that... Last week, I think literally last episode of Raw, Kevin Owens defeats uh, United States champion mm-hmm. Damian Priest. This week, Kevin Owens is defeated by Austin Theory. What does that make, Damian Priest? What does that make? <laughs> yeah, what does yeah. that make the concept of a championship? What's going on? Nothing matters. But there were stars on the show. There was some good matches and a good segment on the show. I've got no idea what they're doing in Saudi. So I guess like it's. A different kind of bad. A better kind of bad. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that as a, a rigging endorsement of Monday Night Raw. I will always caveat this by what we always say. We are grading Raw on a curve. I'm not sat here going, Dynamite's in trouble for this week, boys. Like MJF and CM Punk going to have to get their working boots on to top this. <laughs> 
it, the, I was sports entertained mm. by this show. I was hooked by them across breaks by find out what's going to happen with the scooter race. And I genuinely was like, yeah, I do want to know about <laughs> the scooter race. Like, again, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm speaking about there. grading on a curve, the fact that I came in and said, oh, I've got to get a great show. And, you know, yourself and Andy were like, eh, I'm not too sure about that, <laughs> brother. And I was like, no screwy finishers. <laughs> like, the fact that I have to say that is, you know, is what it is. But I thought, yeah, huge intriguing developments heading towards Elimination Chamber. You had Brock on the show. You had Ronda on the show. You had Bloody Leaper in the main event. Um, I just I, I just had a great time watching this show. Um, and like Sid sort of alluded to, uh, I'm excited to see where they go next, having been very much down in the dumps uh, following the Royal Rumble. And the best of all news, the reason possibly why I really enjoyed this show, no Shane McMahon. <laughs> Just for context, context, that isn't someone having an arm breaker of a wank. No, (laughs) that is manipulating themselves a permanent issue. (laughs) That's not someone currently experiencing the gush. That was Shane McMahon, if you can't remember, selling for a Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn backstage attack. Powerbombed him on a crate backstage, yeah. What a stupid bastard he is. And we got the, the sequel at the Rumble. That's what brought this back into our life. Well, I can do a little mini one. It's <laughs> 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 my new favourite. <laughs> Isn't the soundboard, but like right now, Shane McMahon is ejaculating. So we've got the controls to Shane, and he's just spunking as we speak. Like we've seen how quickly liquid flows from him in any situation. Voodoo doll. <laughs> <laughs> Just a minute, love. Oh. Right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so Ma- Marissa, close door. Oh. <laughs> Once more. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this show until we here comes the money. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if he teams with Von Wagner, if he gets Von Wagner. (laughs) Here comes the Tuesday. (laughs) Shane, have you got enough for Thursday as well? You you, you look a bit tired. (laughs) He did it. (laughs) (laughs) He got there in the end. It's open with a oh recap of what happened at the Royal Rumble. And then Postman Pierce welcomed us to Monday Night Raw. Shane O'Jack. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he announced... Um, Bean Street Posse. <laughs> <laughs> Blown beans up your mouth. <laughs> Meet Gus and Joey Spass. <laughs> Number two on the podcast charts yesterday. Oh, let's check out this new podcast. <laughs> Gone full. <laughs> like morning radio, haven't we? <laughs> We're born in the dance. <laughs> Dingo in the baby. Rip it off and jack it into space. You got journalism for that? You gotta be joking me. <laughs> <laughs> Egg. 
I'm out of control. <sighs> a bit like Shane. Yeah, exactly. And do you know where that ejaculate comes from? These nuts. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew you'd come round in my opinion on, on Monday Night Raw. Good roll. Yeah, it's awesome. Good roll. <laughs> right. <laughs> he announced, uh, Postman Pierce, Who that did <laughs> Bobby Lashley is going to defend the WWE title inside the Elimination Chamber. Uh, and he's obviously immediately interrupted by MVP, and a resplendent Bobby Lashley in a gorgeous suit. Uh, MVP is furious. He says, this isn't how it's supposed to work. Lashley proved his superiority. He went to hell and back, and now you want him to go to hell again? Not a very nice way to talk about Saudi Arabia, that is it. Uh, it's not fair, he says. The odds are against him. Five other people are in that match. This is wrong. And, and Lashley grabs the mic and he says, who do you think you are? Postman Pierce, I should be celebrating. I knew I was better all along. I'm a better amateur wrestler. I'm a better MMA guy. I'm a better champion in the WWE than Brock Lesnar. I slayed the beast. Look at the footage. All you Lesnar fans out there, I've got a question for you. Who's the conqueror now? Who's the beast now? Who is the champion now? Brock Lesnar's music hits. And he comes out. Not only meaning business, but in his gear, ready to wrestle. Uh, he gets in, uh, an MVP shouting I'm off mic. He tells MVP to shut, shut up or he'll shove the cane up his ass. <laughs> Already loved this segment. Um, he says, uh, Bobby who? He has, his, he has his fun. He laughs along. He says, look, come on, mate. You can't just stand there and pretend and act like you're a proper champion. From one athlete to another, what, what's the pride in that? You didn't beat me Saturday night. You know, the only way that you beat me is because of bloody Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman. But, look, I'm not mad. It's all good. I'm mad mainly at Roman and, and Paul, not you. And after all that tibarkle, as he said, <laughs> tibarkle, but still, uh, a good contest, by the way, though, he said, kudos. Uh, after all that, I took it upon myself later on in the night to enter the Rumble and win. Because I won, I, I get to choose who I fight at Mania. And you don't need to worry. It's not you, Bobby. I want, I want Roman Reigns at a WrestleMania, but I want me versus Roman to be title versus title. And this is how it involves Bobby, because as you can see, I am dressed to fight. So I want my rematch for the world title right here, right now. Lashley is keen. He wants it. He wants to prove himself yet again, but MVP holds him back, tells him, think about this. Don't do it. Uh, MVP, Lashley's there saying, I pinned you once, Brock. I can pin you again. And Brock Hills, get that $5 suit off and let's go, brother. Um, Love a brother reference. <laughs> he, uh, he says that he says to Lashley that MVP's holding him back and uh, MVP grabs the mic and says, no, you can go to the end of the line. You can earn yourself a title shot. This challenge has declined. Uh, Brock continues to sort of goad Bobby Lashley, even calls him a chicken sh um, But Lashley sees sense, storms out, crowd furious that he's leaving this. But Postman Pierce decides to announce that, yes, you may not want to face Brock tonight, but you will be facing him in three weeks because Brock is in the elimination chamber. It's official, Michael Hamflet. I kind of hated this. <laughs> like... To sort of build on a conversation we were having, I think it was on the preview or the Rumble Fallout show, who's a good as in the baddies? Who's, who's Bobby Lashley? He's a guy that is theoretically willing to fight tonight for the belt, but MVP won't let him. Uh, but he's also this guy who was championing himself 
for winning a match that he himself could see was a stolen one. You know, arm over the draped arm over a prone Brock after Roman had done the dirty work. So he, he can't be a babyface because he's toasting that. But he can't be an out-and-out heel because he is actually ready for the challenge. But then he's not a particularly dangerous heel or a heroic figure because he doesn't really want the Elimination Chamber. I, I don't know who this Bobby Lashley is, and I think part of the problem is because you don't have to know who Brock Lesnar is. Like, Brock Lesnar is just Brock Lesnar. Who he's feuding with determines if he's a heel or a babyface. Cody-esque from Lesnar, I guess. But, like, it's just... The dynamic doesn't feel like it works. It's Postman Pierce, the heel, for booking Bobby Lashley in a somewhat unfair situation. Um, Is the rematch clause back? Because Brock was just going to say, oh, I can have a rematch. Like, I know he doesn't watch Raw, but he should have been watching in December because the authority told me no more rematches. Yeah, I I just thought this was... I'm not, like, hot take, WWE's lazy. Uh, this is not, like, a critical analysis of a lazy WWE promo segment. I just, I thought with these characters, it was fairly straightforward to figure out who was who and what the motivations were and everything. And they just played too much with it to get to the end point, which was there's going to be an Elimination Chamber match for the title. Everything, all of this nonsense dialogue, all this bollocks, which is what it was, is all to serve the announcement of a graphic, the announcement of a match. And I just think there was, like, loads more interesting ways to do that without, like, betraying the new WWE champion on night one. Yeah, I didn't know what to make of this either. I don't know how to receive Bobby Lashley in terms of the character character dynamic. I do know that he's completely below Brock Lesnar and their concerns, and I think they said the quiet part too loudly in this segment. Um, again, like, the only real intrigue here, like, the crowd is white hot, um, Archbishop of Banterbury, Brock Lesnar remains <laughs> a genuine joy to watch when he's on this form and he's in this kind of mood. And yet, the best thing about this segment is in how it avoids something predictable and bad in a different way. And that's not necessarily meaning it's good in itself. Like, when I realized, oh, hang on, it's going to be Brock doing WWE title stuff in the interim. And later on in the night, oh, Seth Rollins is going to be in this match. I'm thinking, oh, well, it gets out of the of that really incredibly predictable Roman Reigns versus Seth mm. Rollins chamber match in Saudi, uh, rematch in Saudi. And I'm thinking, well, why did they not just have Roman Reigns at this stage of his mega push before that match with Lesnar just beat Rollins clean? Yeah. I was just asking loads of questions, which is ro- which is a lot better than having the answers tattooed under my eyelids <laughs> while I'm awake in terms of the level of pain I experience watching this. But I was just... Just really confused by the directions. Not knowing the answer is better than knowing it, but that's the nicest thing I can say. I just got caught up completely in this. I was like, <laughs> yes! Like, look okay. how big they are. <laughs> look, uh, yeah, I went full Vincent around on this. Look at the bloody size of them. <laughs> you know, Bobby still wanted to fight him, and MVP desperately trying to hold him back. Uh, the back and forth between those two. I, I think they made magic in the ring, even, uh, even if it was, you know, shenanigans that eventually cost Brock the title. And... You know, the fact that we got this stacked elimination chamber, I was like, I don't really care if, like you say, the, the roles are slightly mm. blurred. I, yeah, I was just like, yep, 100% in for this. So I think that's maybe where I got the ball rolling on my excitement on this episode of Monday Night Raw. Well, we were all saying yesterday, like, what on earth are they doing for that WWE title match at WrestleMania? It looks like they've got nothing. And indeed, it feels like they think they've got nothing either and are going in, in this direction. Yeah, I, I can't call what's going to happen. Exactly. You could you could, you could, could have, but I don't think it's going to happen. You could have Brock Lesnar win, and it could be title for title. 
Riddle, we'll talk about him later. Riddle could win, and then you could have Riddle versus Orton at WrestleMania. I, I, I can't see... Uh, you can, uh, Lashley could obviously retain and leave uh, the Chamber as, as world champion, looking stronger than ever, and then you... I don't know. I think they just want this big, daft, massive match graphic that makes the Saudi show for the Saudis feel enormous. As big as it could possibly be for a February pay-per-view. And, you know, Paul Heyman could just get the keys to the Chamber, and he could open it up, and then they could screw him all over again, and it could just mean nothing. Mm. And they just do... I don't know, but... The fact that I don't know is better than knowing and hating. I'll say this, yeah. I think, like, Cedric made the point that you're kind of coming out of the rumble. You know, I don't really care what's happening for WrestleMania. It sort of has forces into having a conversation, which is impressive on their part. The prospect of... I, I don't think Brock's going to win. I, I don't no. think he'll win the Elimination Chamber. But when I was presented with the idea of it, and suddenly, bailed for bailed, echoes, you know... Ultimate Challenge, Hogan Warrior, the 35 main event with Rousey, Becky, and Charlotte. And the fact that there was precedent for somebody winning the Raw and SmackDown titles, and then being, as Becky did, and being able to go on ever so briefly with two titles, I then moved all the way to visualizing Roman having both belts. You know, and that, like, the, maybe, maybe I was harsh on his attitude towards the belt at the Rumble, and that was a little bit of LTST. I never believed that would do it. I think they're making it up on the spot. Every single night is a new. But him looking at that belt with such disdain to all of a sudden think, well, I'll, but I want to take it off you, Brock. I don't want you to have it. You know, like that then becomes part of a hook of a title versus title match at Mania. So they've made me visualize and think about possible prospective Mania matches. That's, yes, you've charmed me <laughs> a little bit on, on some of the merits of this segment. Uh, then we got Rhea Ripley versus Nikki A.S.H. Uh, obviously, story developed in the Royal Rumble and hopefully finished off here. Um, Rhea Ripley finally getting her hands on, on Nikki properly and battering her. Um, yes, she was in control early on, uh, but then Nikki did fight back, ca- catching R- Ripley, sort of sucking her in to uh, sliding out the ring, getting caught in the ring skirt and... Nikki traps her in there and batters her, and we go to break. And when we come back, Nikki's still in control. Suddenly, though, Ripley b- blocks a n- tornado DDT, short arm clothesline, headbutt, snap mares, drop kick, thrust kick, northern light suplex. That gets Rhea Ripley a near fall. Uh, Nikki fights back. She hit a tornado DDT to get herself a two count, but as she's posing to set up that neck breaker of hers, Ripley counters, powers her up, riptide, one, two, three. No shenanigans, a victory for the babyface. Let's move on with Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. Please, Hamflat. Yeah, this would have been good if WWE had found a way to keep it hot, which they didn't ultimately. Like, they diffused this, uh, the heat of this, way before we got this payoff. This was a theoretical act of them doing the very, like, the very, very easiest bit and doing it quite well. You build something up to a bit of a rumble skirmish between them, and then you have the singles match, because the feud hasn't got any legs beyond this. And that, unfortunately, was clear by the fan reaction. Like, if they'd have worked the heat a little bit more in this feud, or they'd have made you... If you didn't think, like, Rhea Ripley was such a sap in the first place, or Nikki A.S.H. was such a, like, a non-issue heading into the rumble, their rumble interaction would have been hotter than it was, and this match would have been hotter than it was, Mm. because this is... Fairly common practice going back through the years. Like the, the the two people you want to see interact have it and then they finally have the match because it's not really worthy of a pay-per-view. Like this is them. Like I'll, I'll compliment them for doing the simple stuff quite well. But if anything, I think the work was undermined because the fans had already lost interest in the story. Um, In comparison to the Women's Rumble, it was genuinely quite striking to watch two women actually hit each other really hard or mm. like feign or like work towards 
the idea that they're hitting each other really hard. Um, there was now to this, really. It's another indictment of the week-to-week episodic booking because it's been so dismal between the dialogue and, and how it's just depicted Rhea Ripley as this sort of... Eh, like, you know, she's just... I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> what I want to say is that Rhea Ripley is not the same person she was in 2019, and that's not exactly a scoop. To have her just... Being nice to Nikki ASH, going, oh, we'll still be friends. It's like, just kick her ass. You'll see where it's coming. To actually watch her do a drop kick again in earnest in a match that was presented with a degree of seriousness stripped from the rubbish dialogue was a cruel glimpse into what she could be again. Look, they got it done. And I was happy that it was over with. But is anything ever over? <laughs> Indeed. That's, that's all it is with Ripley as well, isn't it? It's cruel glimpses. They ask about every six to eight months. Rhea Ripley to actually be Rhea Ripley. It's just the six to eight months in between that you have to enjoy. If you think of the Rumble or the Charlotte Flair Money in the Bank match or, to a lesser extent, this, you're like, oh, there she is. And then it's like, no, back away again. Mm. No, nothing now. You don't it's get that for ages. a single wrestler on that roster who suffers as a result of the mandated scripting in the way that they format and book these shows. Like, Hook doesn't say a word. Like, Darby Allen barely says a word. Like, there are ways. You don't even need a mouthpiece. You just need... Good television. You just need good pro wrestling TV. Like Rhea Ripley doesn't have to say this bobbin stuff so weakly to just completely undermine the mm. performer that she is. But unfortunately, she works for WWE, so this is the Rhea Ripley you get. All right, another highlight from this show came next. The next round in the Alpha Academy Academic Challenge. It was the scooter race. And uh, back to sort of officiate the whole thing was... Uh, oh, there he is. Kevin Patrick! He uh, he was there to introduce the rules. Um, Chad Gable is a treasure. Protect him at all costs. He's not only wearing a helmet, he's wearing a full body suit for aerodynamics, basically. Uh, Riddle dedicates this match to Randy. Um, and he goes to read some rules, which Chad snatches off him and real, uh, opens up to reveal it's just the word Gustavo. Which is the name of Riddle's scooter, apparently. Um, Gable's not only angry at this, but the fact that the scooter race is being included in the Alpha Academy Academic Challenge. But anyway, Kevin Patrick uh, says the rules are 50 laps of the arena, and then you have to cross the finish line at ringside to win. Um, and yes, uh, Gable explains that he's got Olympic friends, of course, speed skaters, and they've sent him this sick speed suit. Um, no airflow to slow him down, bro. And uh, Riddle says it is a pretty sweet suit. And uh, then R-Truth, of all people, is introduced as the special guest race starter. He waves the checkered flag, and we are off. This is a show-long hook that AEW could learn from, Hamflet. I, I had an epiphany during your recap there. I think it was when I think it was the Gustavo bit, right? I looked across, and Cedric looked at me, and we shared a glance. And I don't know if he felt this as well. My, uh, It's raw, so I feel nothing. My, <laughs> my six-year-old son... Uh, Josh is in the habit at the moment of coming home and giving us, and it's lovely, it's really lovely, have given us all the details of um, like something that might have gone down in the playground at playtime. And it's typically just that he's playing football or they're having a game. And it's, but it's in that really nice way that like they'll just, like he's not thinking about the structure of the story when he's recapping it. He's just saying it as it comes to him. And there's loads and loads of ands and ands and ands and ands. And you kind of don't want it to end because he's obviously full of joy. And like me and my wife will kind of look at each other and we'll have the exact known glance I just had with Cedric there. I was like, I'm not finding this terribly funny, but we love how much that he loves it. <laughs> and when you said Gustavo it. and talked about the aerodynamic of the outfit, I just had this like incredible moment where I was like, I love 
how happy this makes you. Yeah. Like, and as the Dadleys and as Wilborn, and you've got like, oh, he's going to do another one of this funny voice. He's going to do the Ken Patrick bit. Like, I was just like, I am more into this through your recap <laughs> of it because I liked elements of the scooter race. But then when you dropped the Gustavo bit, and I was like, I did not like that because I hate the idea that eight people yesterday were crowned on a table. Funny names, go. What you got? What you got? Come on, idiots. Quicker, 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 quicker. Uh, Gustavo, write it down. Done. Tick. Right, like, I, I hate that process so much and the pressure that those people must be under for the awful pay and the terrible working conditions. But, like, you, on a recap, on the number one wrestling podcast in Great Britain, was like, Gustavo, they nailed that bit. And that writer somewhere has gone, yes, yes. <laughs> we love our large adult son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we really do. Uh, after thanks, the- Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Damn. I was going to say after the podcast if you wanted to go on a scooter race, but you're not welcome anymore. <laughs> no fruit shoots. Chad Gable continues to do dumb, dumb WWE stuff in a way that amuses me to a degree because I want nice things to happen to Chad Gable. Like, it's not good. Like you do this on any of the three camera sitcom, and you think this <laughs> <laughs> chad gable being so great deserves this yeah shush kind of pops me too it's sh- sh- it was a shush sign did you see shush is getting over it's quite remarkable how the angle comparison is not just the wrestling isn't it this was very very comedy kurt angle and the, the point of comedy kurt angle was he could do it it wasn't just they were forcing this wrestling machine to be WWE funny it was like wow he's brilliant at this he's yeah. a polymath like gable's got that too it's it's brilliant and we go to Alexa Bliss and her psychiatrist. Uh, she's wearing all black hey, and grey now. Looking like a fiendish goddess. How are you doing? Um, and she she sort of assured this psychiatrist that, that Lily was real. And uh, he said, well, how would you react if Lily returned to you? She said, oh, well, I'd, I'd dress her up in, in pyjamas and we'd watch horror movies because she likes that. And uh, he says, well, I bought you this replica from wweshop.com. And he presents the return of... <laughs> sort of. Uh, and blissing to perk up. We'll return to this later. Anything you want to say about this, Sige? No. <laughs> I'm just glad that we didn't have to play the Shane Man noise more after that because that's the noise of numerous people on that fucking Lily trend on Twitter. Whenever you look at the sort of the post-raw comments, it's just that noise in tweet form. <laughs> With a screenshot of Alexa Bliss from a particular angle where her hair looks goddess-like. That stuff, that doll. <laughs> and I'd buy the merchandise as well. Uh, an out of nowhere match. <laughs> WWEFAP.com. <laughs> out of nowhere match came next. It was Dominic Mysterio versus The Miz, of all people. Um, Short match this, but I, I love <laughs> I love the way it went. Uh, he sort of ruffles Dominic hair, Dominic hairs early on, uh, but then has to twenty five duck out of the way of a six one nine. He goes to the floor, pushes Rey Mysterio over. Uh, he comes back in, kicks Dominic in the face, and then realizes that the referee's checking on Dominic, so bounces off the ropes and falls, faints to the floor, and claims that Rey Mysterio tripped him. He gets kicked out of ringside. And uh, all in all the distraction, he hits a skull-crushing finale on Dominic and pins him one, two, three. Outsmarting the Mysterios, the Miz, Sige. Yeah, just do your bit. Just, I, I thought it was great, this. Well, I mean, it's like we always said, it was going to be the Miz that was going to trigger. The catalyst. The, uh, we always made it clear. We always oh, kind the of window's shut, man, I've just realised. <laughs> <laughs> That's gone on Twitter. Hey, so, you see Jermaine Defoe sign for Sunderland? Yeah, 
Fill your boots for two minutes. We fill your boots. There, it was quite remarkable that they did what we said they were all going to do, which is get the rumble out of the way so that the Miz yeah. could be the one to kick off the road yeah. to WrestleMania for the Mysterios. Here, in place of that bit this week, it occurred to me that, in, you know when uh, Christian signed, and uh, Tony Khan over-egged it, but away from all the bluster. Sorry, over. Egg! <laughs> he over-egged it, but away from the bluster after the fact, we were saying, look, it's... Christian might be the guy that can be his biggest signing for the locker room as he is for the fans. You're going to get lots of entertaining television, but he's going to really bring on um, some of the wrestling ability of some of the younger stars. They see The Miz as the sports entertainment equivalent of that. It's like, uh, you know that Miz? He's a, he's a sports entertainer, sports entertainer. Go out there and teach Dominic how to be a real sports entertainer. And that was what this match was. It was just, Dominic doesn't have many good matches, especially not when he's in singles. Like, Seth Rollins... Like, you're talking Nakazawa Jabali levels of a carry job when you think about that SummerSlam match now. Mm. Jesus Christ. Um, because Dominic in singles looks badly lost. He looks pretty lost in tags, but he looks badly lost. Miz did his best, like, did some, did some like, solid sports entertainer to try and make <laughs> a sports entertainer out of that kid. You say about the hair ruffling, this was what this was, and I think that's, what, I think that's why this feud exists. They've positioned Miz as their Christian, and by golly, they're going to make some sort of half-wrestler out of this Dominic. It just owns the fact that he's, I think he's 25 years old as Dominic Mysterio. Like, people don't like the AW references. I don't give a toss about those people. It's helpful. There are wrestlers in their mid-20s in AW who aren't treated like they've just finished their first day of wrestling school. Mm. And they are very green and they're very plucky and they're very inexperienced and they're susceptible to cheating because they're very naive. He's 25 years old. Like he's 25 years old. Like, I've been living away from my parents for like six years at this point. <laughs> I got married when I was 25. Did you? Yeah, I did, yeah. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, you know, that's the one day where you think, other than your parents, you don't like your hair ruffled, do you? He's growing up. Hi, man. Got a wedding ring on. Frig off. He's. It's like he's the, I would have invited him this to my wedding, to be fair. Yeah. And it's not just his... Wedding gift, a brick. <laughs> and it's not just his real-life age, because we've talked a lot in the past about how there's such a thing as a character age, when people go, <laughs> Chris Jericho's 50 years old in AEW, and it's like, yeah, but the champion's like... Three. Three. <laughs> three days old, and it's the best <laughs> thing ever. Mm. Like, Dominic Mysterio's been playing this character for coming up to two years, very close to two years of naive son of... Naive large adult son of Rey Mysterio. Like two years, you're not that green yet, pal. He's quite lucky that 2.0 didn't exist when he came through because there's second-generation wrestlers on 2.0 that are floundering. They can't all be Von Wagner. And, uh, yeah, it just if you th- I don't think he'd stick out amongst some of that. He'd have to get massive. <laughs> he'd have to get bigger to stand a chance on there. They just want to keep Ray and make him happy, mm. and Ray wants to be happy doing this. And it's just like... Just come on, be more professional and look after your own career. Imagine when um, Jeff Hardy inevitably signs with AEW and we get the Hardy Boys whether we want them or not. And uh, (laughs) there's going to be a point where there's some like lame forbidden door crack where WWE have allowed Moose or somebody and it's like WWE has swung the door back open. What's your dream? Uh, AEW versus WWE match and somebody's going to be like the Mysterios versus the Hardys. Father and son versus brother. It's a family affair. It's like nobody wants to watch that. (laughs) (laughs) Just because you Photoshop them next to each other. (laughs) A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Well, we got an update on the uh, scooter race next, uh, involving also the 24-7 champion. Dana Brooke almost got jumped by Tamina, but thankfully the scooter race flying by on lap 18 broke all that up. And uh, Gable actually took the lead because Riddle bumped into Omos and told him he had beautiful eyes. Lovely stuff. And then we got the KO show uh, with, well, I'll tell you the special guest is when we get to it, because Kevin Owens came out, put over WrestleMania two nights this year, put over how stupendous it was, (laughs) just two nights, double the stupendousness. Um, (laughs) And he announced he was going to be in the Elimination Chamber after he defeats the protected, sheltered, wannabe superstar Austin Theory later. But he introduced his guest as a man who should be Universal Champion, Seth freaking Rollins. Uh, he comes out, Owens thanks him, um, and uh, Rollins said he was happy to be in the hottest town in the country right now. That's Cincinnati, because the Bengals are in the Super Bowl, in case you didn't know. Um, Owens showed a replay of what happened with Rollins and, and Reigns, obviously, on uh, on Saturday at the Royal Rumble. And Owens claimed that Reigns had got himself intentionally disqualified because he knew that Rollins would have won. Um, and he said, you may not be officially Universal Champion, but you are the Universal Champion of my heart. Uh, and Rollins appreciated that. Uh, and Rollins said, look, I may not be champion, but I did acquire something valuable on Saturday, a permanent space in the brain of Roman Reigns. He's saying he lives rent-free. Yeah. Uh, he said he would use his advantage to beat him uh, for the title one day. But that was SmackDown business, and he announced instead he is in the Elimination Chamber match. No qualifiers, no nothing. And Owens is like, oh, you didn't have to qualify. Uh, well, congratulations. And Ron said, yeah, it's because of my performance, you know, at the Royal Rumble. Um, and he said, well, I know what you think you should do. You should go to Postman Pierce and Sonya Deville and say, you know what? My best friend Kevin Owens has got to do a qualifier for the Elimination Chamber. Well, that's that's not right. And uh, unless you automatically insert him into that match, I'm going to back out. And Rollins was like, yeah, I don't think I will do that. 
Uh, and I was like, well, I'd do it for you. Would you? Would you? Starting to fray this. But before they could make a decision, out comes Austin Theory because the match is about to start. What do you think of the KO show, Sitch? It's uh, one of the more fun things on it. Yeah. On the show in general. Like, yet again, I don't know who the heel or the baby face is. <laughs> or who's going to be the heel and the baby face. And it's very much reminiscent of a lot of things that we've seen or see on WWE TV in recent years. But it's a good enough version of it. I don't hate it. I don't know why I like it. I don't think it's good. I just think they know how to get over pretty shoddy stuff. They're elevating the material yes. with their performances, but in much in the same way like Jericho and Owens did. I think I like it because even though sometimes it takes a bit of a while to adjust to the taste, I quite like Coke Zero or Pepsi Max. Yes, the full fat one, Jericho and... Um, I didn't mean that cruelly. Jericho and Owens, the full fat version <laughs> is better. It is better. But you absolutely can wean yourself onto the... They're not quite as good one. The lighter side, and then still actually get quite a lot of flavour out of it and still get a certain amount of joy out of it. And I think that's what the crack is here. They've got... I can't make my mind up if I want this to explode before WrestleMania or for them to win the tag belts. I like, like the I tag belts. Stick around a bit longer, which suggests that this is... Probably deserves a bit more credit because you want to see more of it. If it was, if you felt that it was, uh, this has not got a lot of legs in it, you would probably just want the split to come sooner rather than later and them not kill the gag. Their chemistry is great. Seth Rollins, his best stupid face that he pulls is the one he pulls when he's acting with Kevin Owens. Yeah. More so than the weird <laughs> shield hybrid entrance he did. <laughs> that was so strange. He's doing a shield bit, but he's doing... Uh, do the face, Seth. <laughs> I like that. But it works really well in context of the relationship with Kevin Owens. I like this. Yeah, it's one of those as well. They've got two brilliant splits to come uh, with, with Riddle and Orton and these two. thought you were going to get horny on main and talk about Sasha Banks. No. But <laughs> you're trending dangerously in that direction. Um, but, yeah, like you say, it's one or the other before WrestleMania. I don't think you should do both. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I'd like, them, I'd like them to win the tag belts. Feel like Riddle and Orton can run its course until WrestleMania, and yeah. if you want to do that, I don't know. There's going to be titles and stuff involved, but regardless, yeah, I'd have I'd have them win the tag belts, probably off the Usos, but then they'd have to be on the other show. But then that doesn't really matter. That's SmackDown business. I like oh, they just write that off. Yeah. Way, you're not you're not getting your that was like you're not getting your Roman rematch. You can forget about it. It was a DQ, and you'll fucking like it. Mm. That's SmackDown business. So we then got Austin Theory versus Kevin Owens. Uh, Owens dominates early on until, oh, it's a rough spot, this. Theory boots him outside and then sort of throws him backwards onto the steel steps. That looked a rough old bump. It must have sucked for Kevin Owens to take that. I'm not sure if he actually clipped his head it's on him. He's still the edge of the steps. Um, anyway, after the break, Owens fights back in Siguri. DDT goes for that double jump moonsault thing that he does that I just still love. Uh, but Theory dodges it, hits a neck breaker. He gets a near fall off of that. Owens comes back, gut buster, two count. Uh, hits a super kick, hits a senton, gets another near fall. Uh, goes, gets their final on the top rope, and he gets him for that avalanche fisherman's buster that still looks incredible every time I see it. Uh, but Theory just about gets his foot on the ropes to break up the pinfall. Uh, and then they brawl to the outside, and then as Owens pushes Theory back into the ring, Theory kicks the middle rope as Owens is climbing through it, and uh, he gets Owens up for the ATL. One, two, three. Austin Theory wins Michael Sidgwick, and he is in the elimination chamber. Yeah, I'm a dickhead. Because this was really quite well worked. The crowd were into it as well. Whatever they are doing with Austin Theory, and it's just having a 76-year-old fading billionaire slap him in the face and be a knob <laughs> to him. But the mere fact that they are associated... 
it's like a clue that they like him. It's so odd. It is so odd. But regardless, that's where we are. The fans are responding to Austin Theory. They are starting to be a little bit taken aback by his work because he's got this kind of appeal where he looks like the Brad Maddox. He's a handsome guy. Mm. He's very blandly handsome. He's going to be a star. It's like, it doesn't really work like that. <laughs> but the crowd can infer that the company likes him and that is kind of all they're going on at the minute. But like Austin Theory's got this kind of unique style of moves where if you see it on a highlight reel when you first get into indie wrestling and you see, ah, it's more convoluted than normal. That means it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like Austin Theory's kind of got that weird thing where it's like, you know what? That might be an extraneous flip or forward roll, but I wouldn't know how to defend that. So in head cannon, it's like, oh, he's a slippery customer. It's like, oh, that's a cool variation of something I've seen. It's just quite a... In the weirdest possible way, he's every kind of early to mid-2000s throwback. Mm. He's the blandest-looking, <laughs> handsome guy that WWE prized, and he's the guy who on early internet, you see him do a weird, cool move, and you're like, oh, he's like... he's Yeah, no, that's spot on. Uh, like, it'd be like, it, be like if like TNA's mid-2000s X Division signed Ted DiBiase Jr. Yes. And then he did a moonsault. Like, that, that's, that's exactly he's it. Every yeah. kind of mid-2000s guy. I love his everything rolling that he does. I love a rolling drop kick, a rolling blockbuster, stuff like that. You're spot on. It's the strangest thing. Yeah, he it almost like he obscures the fact that he can do that stuff by looking and appearing and feeling a bit like a sports entertainer from the ground up. Yeah, he presents that as much as possible, as if to hide what lurks beneath. And I certainly think that can only get you so far. It's the sort of thing where, like, I still kind of only want to praise Austin Theory from a from a distance, really. You know, he's not the guy. I don't think. You know, in spite of the Vince stuff, mm. that's going to go away any day now. Yeah. But based on the noise that his matches are getting, says this is working. And he is, you know, the Jim Ross, he's maximizing his minutes. Yeah. He is actually capitalizing on it. A few people do it every now and then, and you see it. And it's hard not to sort of get on that bandwagon because, well, in WWE, like all the bandwagons just crashing the cliffs. All of, <laughs> all of them do. So whenever you can see that somebody is being backed and working up to it at the same time, it is hard not to sort of invest and see the, the merit of that. He's probably not going to make it to this match. But mm. that's not a this week concern, is it? Indeed. We'll, we'll revisit that maybe next week. I bet we will now we've got the button. <laughs> back to uh, <laughs> back to the scooter race. Uh, Riddle. In case you forgot what button we were talking about. <laughs> no, remember. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> That's Evan Suckman trying to get a sentence out. <laughs> uh, back to the scooter race. That's uh, a noise he makes in his head. Riddle <laughs> flies by the street profits who uh, offer him a bit of their drink. Uh, but as Gable comes past, they're like, I'm not having any of ours. Not bad. Um, but thankfully, there's Otis uh, who hands Gable his cup. Uh, Gable sips some and then fights out its steak sauce. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, could that happen? And Gable. Could, could that happen, really? I. It, it, to drink like Gable for a scooter race, you're imagining like when you see people on the telly doing the marathon, they take their it's like swooshing around, tip it on their head, drinking isotonic drink. It's not, it's, it's not gonna happen with sauce, is it? Like it's, it's just like sludging down the cup. Come on, like, <laughs> you've got a lot of time to look at that's fucking sauce. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think it could happen. I don't think it could happen. Gable wasn't happy with all that sodium either. That's not <laughs> that's just simply not realistic for this um, round the building uh, all night long scooter race. Sodium popped me a little bit, yes. Yeah, I don't that, know why. that's pretty good. Um, and the scoot race continued, and, uh, well, we saw the Street Brothers next, because Angelo Dawkins faced Dolph Ziggler. Skip. 
Yeah, nice hometown victory, I suppose. That was that, that was a welcome surprise on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, Dortmund is really good. Getting there, getting really good. So it's nice. But uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> no. Chapter eighty six of Street Profits versus Dirty Dogs. Can't wait for Chapter 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, and then maybe they'll have a tag match. Well, enough of all that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five star review. Review. Nailed it. This week's five-star review review is brought to you by Darrenhausen. Uh, if you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related for us to review, uh, all you need to do is subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a five-star review. Why did you go Spotify? I don't know, Sky. I thought you did Kevin Patrick. and Go to shuffle my Spotify, my lady. Suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related. Darren Housen has nailed this. The short part, especially, Sige. Oh, yeah. Uh, Darren, Darren, <laughs> Darren writes, love this channel. Been a What Culture fan for years and found the podcast during the pandemic, and the reviews were a great way to pass time while working. Uh, not sure if he's been done for a five-star review. Could you do the Raw segment where Triple H calls out Kofi for not having a Jamaican accent anymore? Hamlet, take us back to, what was this, 2009? 2009, and as usual, Triple H is trash. The guy can do what he fucking likes. without Beats tag teams up yeah, by himself. Without compunction, without punishment. He does it in that way where it's supposed to look like he's the funniest, coolest, hardest, sexiest guy in the room. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah Generate a pop. Most popular. Yeah, so like after the fact, people are supposed to really enjoy it. Years later, when it resurfaces on Twitter, somebody posts it with a cry laughing. And went, Triple H, the funniest guy. I wish he was at my party. He guys, what do you think of Triple H? <laughs> <laughs> Triple H is the game. Pass it on. It's just like. <laughs> But nobody else could do this. You know, he's in there with, like, rudderless and feckless Jack Swagger and Cody Rhodes. No power, no stroke. No, like, they'd get a bollocking for doing this backstage. Like, did you just go out there and, like, expose a massive plot hole of a bit of character development that we never once explored? You're fired. Instead of, good one, son. Like, back when Triple H was still getting his hair ruffled by Vince. I think Shane was actually out with the picture by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, a very different time. And this was bragging rights it wasn't it's it you know it looks and sounds like survivor series the I one thought, time of yeah, year where we're on checking my calendar and going wait a second this is like what was it october or yeah something? like this was this was bragging rights builder seven on seven for a red or blue trophy um unlike seth Rollins, they were very interested in that smackdown business life watching this clip in isolation thinking it was survivor series <laughs> <laughs> nothing registers and the only reason i mentioned that it's bragging rights is because you'll notice um the Big Show on the team. I know normally I only give the build-up to this, but this is just a tiny moment. So The Big Show is on the um, Raw team because, of course, Jericho was on the SmackDown team. How did all this end? Big Show turned. <laughs> What's the ending of every storyline? Big Show turns. I'm going to give you a bit of a bit of context for this clip. So, yes, DX are hyping up bragging rights. Uh, they are slagging off the SmackDown team, basically. Everyone on this team wore red at the pay-per-view. Apart from two members of the team, can you guess who those members of that team were? Oh, is it Cody? Close. Ooh. Too close these days, quite honestly. Close. <laughs> was it DX? It was D-Generation Camo X. <laughs> Buy my fucking stupid cowboy hat, Ben Roy. And he did. <laughs> the people in charge of this can't... Like Triple H with his uh, Survivor Series 2017 gear as well. I'm not doing this stupid stuff. <laughs> that everyone else is... Liking, but I know <laughs> you could buy it on I'm shop. Than that. You got merch out of it because you could buy it on shop.com afterwards. No, you can't buy like a Bobby Roode Monday Night Raw shirt, but you can buy like Triple H Angry Latin in bright red. <laughs> 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 
So, uh, yeah, they run through this SmackDown team. Uh, they go, here's Chris Jericho. Both of us beat him at WrestleMania. <laughs> Brilliant. Next up, uh, we've got Kane. And Sean uh, asks whether or not Triple H had a fling with his ex-girlfriend. And Triple H says she was kind of a stiff. What's that relating to, Sige? Uh, Shag the corpse with his cack. <laughs> Two kinds of stiff, huh? Uh, they run through crime time, who can often be found in the parking lot selling unused SmackDown tickets. Um, and then there was, plenty of them. <laughs> there was a bit where they ran through a guy who introduces himself. And like, I, was, I've, I've, I genuinely, I was watching this time. I remember watching Bragging Rights and all this. I was, and I still think it's Survivor Series when I see the clip. <laughs> so they talk a little bit about uh, up-and-comers, uh, about Drew McIntyre, signed personally by Vince McMahon. That went well. Um, and then they talk about this other guy who's Eric Escobar. Yeah. I don't have any, I, I have no recollection of this person. Eric Escobar was a developmental guy. And he was, he was the... He was Austin Theory. We yeah. the rolling. <laughs> he was the epitome of a developmental guy. Incredibly bland, indistinct, working the most patent style imaginable. And what happened is, he was just in the system for so long. And like, oh, he's good, him. Give him a go. I think it must be been, like, canny. Because <laughs> he, he certainly <laughs> wasn't, like, good. He's most blandly competent. You've learned the rhythms. It's like The Miz as John Cena... As a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> That's I what he was. I don't remember this guy. And he lasted, what, all of about three weeks. They're like, oh, God, he's just gotten out about him. Bless him, he's probably worked hard. He's probably earned the, the begrudging respect of the coaches who are looking out for him. Oh, he deserves a chance. He works really hard. Vicky Guerrero's boyfriend, because yeah, then she could Vicky talk Guerrero. for him. She yeah. was like, you know, always going to get the heat. So theoretically, it'd be like, well, they'll make noise for her, if not for him, and maybe something that'll transfer. Never, ever did. Nope, 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 nope. Checking the uh, bragging rights thing. Um, didn't make the poster, Eric Escobar. Didn't so. make the card either. Didn't make the card, no. <laughs> Smackdown team. Didn't even make the card. Smackdown Eric Escobar. Team. Wait a second. They run through this team. <laughs> they run through this team, and then Team Smackdown turns out to be... Oh, they changed it the week off. Chris Jericho and Kane. Right, they, they're still there. David Art Smith, Finley, Matt Hardy, R-Truth and Tyson Kidd. Pretty sure they did an episode of Smackdown where there was like a... Somebody was probably like, this team fucking sucks. Let's have qualifiers. And then like a load of people won matches to take the places of the losers. It's so funny. AEW doing wrestling and them resenting them for doing wrestling has basically turned WWE back into this. This is what WWE is, oh, except with additional was, Brock Lesnar. This was the Iron Man Cena Orton match. Yes. I remember now. And on the dark show on the dark show, Christian defeated Paul's Paul Burchill for the ECW challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, back 2009. to... 2009? Oh, I don't know. It was a year after he'd, like, implied he was shagging his sister. Paul yes. Yeah. Um, and then they get to Dolph Ziggler. This did make me laugh. Sean whispers in uh, Triple H's ear, and he does a spit take. A spit take, for some reason, always makes me laugh. He does a spit take and shouts, He's boffing Vicky Guerrero! Boffing's a good word. I'll give him that. <laughs> I'll give him that. Uh, and he said, well... In my experience, if you're going to shag your way to the top, at least do it with someone who weighs less than you. Oy. So anyway. I mean, I mean, to be fair as well, China could probably bench more than Triple H <laughs> for going down that route. She got you over, you prick. <laughs> Without China, you're nothing. I, like, we, we Without say, Stephanie, you're nothing. <laughs> we have to say this because like, people are stupid. Not our listeners, but like things get isolated sometimes. I really hope Triple H... Recovers. I hope he's well. Yes. We, don't, we don't hear much about him, and that to me is weird. I hope he's doing fine. I also hope he's finished with wrestling. We can just all can move on. 
I mean, he's wrestling's finished with him, so it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Triple H says, look, SmackDown got quite the team, but that pales into insignificance when you compare it to the mass of humanity we've created and they introduce the team. Big Show, Mark Henry, Kofi Kingston, uh, Shawn Michaels introduces Jack Swagger, the all-American, American, 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 keep going until they laugh, Sean. That'll do it. <laughs> uh, and then he just turns to Cody and no-sells him, turns around, who gets angry, grabs the mic off and says, and me, Cody Rhodes. And Triple H says, oh, yeah, he was just about to get to you. Look, we've got Team Raw, millions of dollars of talent. And Cody Rhodes. Oh, how history. I just, that, that bit, I was just like, yep, yeah, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Oh, yes, please, yeah. Just, karma is real. It's just wonderful. You wanted him to call him a piss ant, didn't he? Like, uh, yeah. No, piss ant. No matter how bad it gets out there, no matter how every day feels frustrating, there's such a thing as karma. Tom McGee, <laughs> Bret Hart, boss like Shawn Michaels, bald-headed, doing a job and doing a terrible job in Crown Jewel. Masking with Bret Hart wins. Bret Hart wins. That was the real quiz. That was the, re- the, the retrospective legacy battle was the real quiz. Um, anyway, Cody gets pissed Cody off. Cody beats Triple H. <laughs> Cody gets pissed off uh, and said, oh, you know, you, you, you're captains in name only. I might not listen to you. I might not tag in. I might beat all of Team SmackDown by myself. Big Show gets angry at this, and then that sets off Mark Henry and Jack Swagger. It all kicks off, basically. And Kofi then grabs uh, the mic. Uh, Henry tried to interrupt. Did you hear him? He was like, looks like we've had enough time. <laughs> he says... Cody was like, not yet. Give us 10 years. Save that. We'll get you there. Uh, Kofi says, guys, guys, come on, guys. This is exactly what SmackDown wants. The only way we could possibly lose is if we waste time arguing and fighting with each other. We've got to come together uh, and get on the same page. Because <laughs> if we don't... Von Wagner in the Beatles. Von Wagner in the Von Wagner off, get back. Get back, it's come Tuesday. <laughs> Can you hear? No, I got Penny Lane in my ears and my eyes. He says we've got to get on the same page because if we don't, it's going to be a ba- it's going to be bad news for all of us. All right? Any questions? Triple H grabs the mic and he says, "Hold on, hold on a second. I've got a question." Matter of fact, I got a problem. I hate the way he says, this. Way he says this. No, Say the whole thing again. I thought it, I thought it would. Hold on, I, hold on a second. I have a question. Matter of fact, I got a problem. Aren't you supposed to be Jamaican? What happened to your accent? Matter of fact, I got a goddamn problem. <laughs> uh, who does he think huh? he is? Matter of fact, I got a problem. You're a mob boss. Remember when John Cena used to come out of Boston? I'm home in Boston. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, I got a goddamn problem. And and yes, he. he... Matter of fact, I got a gigantic cat. <laughs> he uh, yeah, he points out the fact. You're talking to me. He points out the fact that Kofi Kingston uh, he lost his Jamaican accent prior to this. sort of soft. Softly dropped it, hadn't they? Yeah, I think it was the it was like revealed more in the intro because they'd started saying from like Ghana, yeah, West Africa instead of Jamaica, and it was I was just phased down and out. But he called it out here. Shoot or work? You reckon this planned or not? They always like John Moxley revealed on Talk as Jericho that like Triple H will always try and test you mm. and be a bit of a dick about it. And then uh, when you get backstage, you're supposed to be like, yeah, good one, Paul. Yeah. We're, we're friends. So, like, John, uh, Moxie was talking on Tortoise Jericho about how, like, he had some segments, odd times with Triple H. He's like, he's trying to do something similar to him, but he's like, no, I can, I can go to promo dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't worry, I can, I'm not going to fail here. the same. Yeah, Punk was exactly the same. Uh, but Kofi Kingston, like, great promo now, developed his character mm. years and years after this. Um, but he was just helpless here. And, like, what do you do? 
What on earth do you do if you have the biggest zinger possible in your head and you're that quick-witted? Do you think, right, I've got a really, really quick-witted zinger that is going to theoretically make them think, Didn't oh, you used to be, be a blue blood. Yeah. Uh, anything. Exactly yeah. Comments, Didn't say. you used to be French? Yeah. Or like, <laughs> yeah, your dad can't book. What to do that? Well, <laughs> do you say it yeah. thinking, oh, to grab ring, uh, grab the brass ring thing here, or do I just get sent into a box back to Deep South Wrestling, <laughs> like the guy who's literally standing in the ring with me, he's all Ziggler because I've annoyed you somehow. Mm. So you can't say the game is just played the game on easy difficulty and made it hard for everybody else. Upper, upper. Down there, down there, <laughs> left there, right there, left there, right there. Stupid asshole ruined wrestling for 20 years, <laughs> just about. Shall we go to the comments? Yeah. So these do not reflect the views of myself, the Daddy Boys. I don't know what called wrestling. Uh, Lassa does the same. Triple H, what happened to your accent? Aren't you supposed to be Jamaican? Me, what happened to your British accent? Triple H. <laughs> Hello. Or, or French or whatever, like you say. Um, but, but I completely agree, yeah. Uh, people are being like, oh, you should have said this. Yeah, it's all well and good saying that now. But in the moment, he just dropped his arse and went, yeah, I'll probably just have to take the L on this one. You know, like in the performance centre where, like, Sean and Triple H would have been to Gargano and Cobra, like, stick some of our... Like, you're going 50 minutes to take over Toronto. Stick me and Sean on. We'll show you how it's done. <laughs> and then he's like, Keith, he's like, I've got a tape for you. Watch this. Hello, I'm, I'm not just Andy. In case I got it. <laughs> uh, ginger nips, right? <laughs> right, and this is this. I'm neglected to mention this here. That's you. <laughs> well, he writes big shows. Aha! Totally makes this for me because that's the reaction. So, they, well, aren't you supposed to be Jamaican? Whole crowd like that. Cody's trying not to corpse in the background. <laughs> big show goes. Aha! <laughs> I got you. Uh, Mark Bredo writes. Think about all the people that were just mentioned in the, in the ring. The charisma level in this ring at the moment is 100%. If you remove Jack, Jack Swagger, it's still 100%. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, Eon001 writes, he's Jafakin. That's all right. Well, Will absolutely loves that. <laughs> he absolutely loves that. Uh, you pointed out that how they sort of phased out, mm. uh, you know, Kingston not being from, from Jamaica anymore, was yeah. he? Where, where was he from? Ghana. Yeah, that's uh, ZZ Rice. Isn't he Ghanaian? <laughs> <laughs> In the comments. Uh, and, you know, we all enjoyed this segment, but not as much as FCA 1975, who writes... <laughs> I remember this episode. I nearly shat myself laughing so hard. <laughs> Tron Triple H's burner. Jesus Christ. Uh, so <laughs> That's how Pritchard got his job back. It's Pritchard's burner. Because nothing is funnier than shit, bro. <laughs> so thank you to Darren Housing for suggesting that. Please uh, please do let us know some more that you'd like us to review. That's quite fitting, actually, because Kofi Kingston is very nice and Triple H is very evil. Yes. <laughs> Let us know. Uh, what culture wrestling on iTunes? Leave us a five star review or on Spotify, or you can email them to me, as I always say, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. We return to Monday Night Raw. Via Mahan still coming, Sitch. Still coming. He's, he's finally ready to strike, but he's still, still coming. Still coming. Wait a second. And then we get the conclusion of the scooter race. <laughs> Um, so now he's the main event. Ages. Now you got a way to go. Oh yet. god, man, might need to go for a piss, like. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 
I'll do uh, that. Kevin Patrick is there. They're at ringside. There's a there's a finish line and everything. Uh, they've got a camera there just in case they need a photo finish. Our truth is, uh, has got the checkered flag, and Patrick asks Truth who he thinks going to win, and he says the Bengals to a huge pop to the Cincinnati crowd. Uh, and here comes Gable uh, and Riddle down the ramp, but Gable trips at the bottom of the ramp. He falls off his scooter. Riddle has got it won. He turns the final corner, rounds the ring, and then out of nowhere... Otis, wearing a speed suit, flattens Riddle, runs him over, trucks him, uh, and Gable pops back up, rides around, even circles the down Riddle before crossing the finishing line to celebrate, uh, despite this controversy in the final of the scooter race. Uh, Riddle gets on the mic and says, you've ruined this, you've ruined the integrity of the scooter race. And Gable shooshes him and says... Uh, am I, what a line this is, am I cauliflower out, are my cauliflower ears deceiving me, or are you calling me a cheater, I'm no cheater, I didn't cheat at the Olympics, I didn't cheat when I earned my Masters, I didn't cheat, cheat when I got my 4.0 GPA, uh, and he says, fine, you want a match, you want a match to settle this, well, you're not going to face me, you're going to face my student, Otis, um, let's talk oh, about the finish of this, these three more matches, I'm going to give them a bit of credit here. So I, I thought this was funny. Like, actually right. actually funny, not that you normally <laughs> when something funny happens on Raw. Chat, like, Gable circling riddles, terrific. What a dickhead. Really good. Um, bit of genuine LTST coming up here. Chad Gable last week, what happened? Lost a spelling bee, didn't he? Lack of intelligence. What did he do this week? Showed a lack of integrity. <gasps> Angle's coming in. Like, Kurt Angler said he would love to do something with Chad Gable. He's put over Matt Riddle in recent interviews, WrestleMania season. That's where this is going. Like, it's going to be a fight, the tag match, whatever, intensity, something along those lines. I just think that word was a choice. And off the back of Chad Gable's intelligence being insulted last week, I think that's... And I appreciate that because I like little details in programmes, even if I'm just, it's WWE and I'm barking up the wrong train. You have a lack of intensity next week when Riddle... Put a little bit of dewy in whatever he's eaten, and he's just not intense because. Well, because isn't like sorry to jump ahead. He's high. The, well, what's the challenge next week? Quiz bowl. Now, obviously, that's because the Super Smoke Bowl. In a... But <laughs> I don't know if you guys know about disco cigarettes, but I'll tell you after we finish recording how bowl factors into that culture ah. as well as American football. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> lack of intensity. Angle just comes in baked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Pierce, Postman Pierce came out before the match started, though, to announce that he's now a cha- Elimination Chamber qualifying match. Uh, and the match. Good, good deal. Good deal. <laughs> the match itself uh, was Otis, you know, using his strength and power to dominate most of the match. Riddle made a few comebacks, but they always fought off by Otis. But then Otis uh, finally um, was weak enough to allow Riddle to make a comeback. He hit a knee strike, he hit a sent on. Uh, he hit Otis's legs, but I did like the way they covered it. Of like, well, they're trying to take out the base of Otis there. Uh, he goes for an RKO. Uh, Otis blocks it, but suddenly uh, Riddle knocks him down, hits him with a floating bro, and gets the pinfall victory. Riddle qualifies for the chamber. There's something, right, that I always get taken aback by on WWE television. I always get um, immersed within when they do it. And it's, funnily enough, right, it's when the commentators react authentically to something. And it's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. It's funny when they do that, that it feels real and I can actually get involved. Samoa Joe was great at this. This man commentated on WWE during a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> and he still got me involved because when he was hyped and, like, you know how the kind of style of wrestling he prefers, in fact, that he embodied for years when he was great. When he, like, sees something like that could hurt someone or, like, takes them by surprise, he would always, like, get hit up and I'd be like, yes, 
I am too. Thank you for being infectious, I guess. <laughs> There's a bit when Riddle forearm right in Otis's mush on the comeback as well because Otis hadn't really been very delicate with Riddle, had he? Like, mm. he'd been very physical. When, like, Corey Graves of all people was like, Jesus Christ, that was impactful. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it was. Yeah. This is what wrestling should be, goddammit. I'm not, not into this. Good. I'm starting on commentary. I'm starting to quite like Jimmy Smith. I had the exact same epiphany. It's It's been hitting me lately that I think he's, like... You have to, you have to like fool WWE style. Don't you? you have to take the house style and somehow try and trick it. And I just think he's doing quite a good job with that. So like that's, I wouldn't have found another opportunity to put over the commentary. So just while I remembered, Riddle qualifying for the chamber, and Randy presumably not offers up a really nice um bro payoff to something. Yeah. Was it not Vince McMahon himself that told Randy Orton he couldn't ride a camel because it just wouldn't make sense in the context of bro? Wouldn't it be a nice thing if Orton, now that he's kind of a bit more in Riddle's orbit, accompanied Riddle to the ring on a camel? Yes. And it was Riddle's on his scooter and Orton's, Orton's on the camel this time because he's like, you know what, actually, Riddle's like, I can do this bollocks as well, Riddle. And then even if he turns on him, at least he's done the camel bit first and there's a nice bit of like synergy between the two Saudi shows and the growth of the RK Bro friendship. Yeah, I love it. Um, and great to see Riddle in the, in the Elimination Chamber and like you say, that the storyline potential for that. We then got first tease of... Riddle and Brock getting physical is in that chamber, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> then we got Carmella versus Bianca Belair. Um, Carmella faffs about putting her mask on, of course. Um, and yeah, Belair just dominated here, but here basically, Carmella uh, fought back, but then shrieked and turned away as Belair threatened, <laughs> threatened to hit her with her braid. Um, she loves it, doesn't she? Screaming. She shoves, gets shoved down. Carmella <laughs> leaps back up and slaps her. So Belair chases her around the ring. Um, Carmella yanks Belair into the turnbuckle to take over, though. Uh, puts her in a chin lock for bloody ages. But thankfully, Belair powers out of it, hits the KOD, and gets the victory. Honestly, this chin lock. Like, Randy Orton would have been, you know, doing what he normally does before he shakes her hand of a creative writer. <laughs> like, he would have been absolutely... <laughs> you'd, be bored, you'd be sick of the sight of his RKO face. It was a long shit. Yeah, Jesus Christ. But a nice win for Bianca Belair. I guess. I don't know. I'd give a toss about it. Like, I liked what I know what this was, but I don't like what it clearly wasn't, which was a heated match. It was What this was was clearly an attempt to just show the difference between Bianca Belair and everybody else, like the rank-and-file losers of Monday Night Raw. Versus the tag champs. Versus who she yeah. is. You just never remember, do you? No, nah, like, versus who she is, the only viable... Probable number one contender at Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. Um, but the match was piss poor. It was a terrible advert for it. It wasn't heated. It wasn't good. Kamala used to be good. What the frig has happened? Because she used to be good. And if when she wasn't good, she was also like very good at being carried. She stopped um, working with Sasha frequently. Maybe. I, but she held her own in those matches, yeah, to be fair. I, I, just, I was really disappointed by this because they were given the time to show you that Bianca Belair was beating a somebody and yet it constantly felt through the crowd as well that she was just fighting a nobody. An ineffective attempt to get Bianca Belair where she needs to be. Second Alexa Bliss segment. Uh, she's tears in her eyes saying, Lily, I missed you so much. And yeah, I think this was the point actually he said, I literally bought this from WWEshop.com. Uh, and then he gave it to her and yeah, she held it tight and teared up. And I just sort of shrugged. Is this good psychiatry? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he said held it tight and teared up. Press the button. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> 
Is this good psychiatry? What is it like? Confront your fears, sort of thing. And then take the piss out of them. It's like a WWE shop, and you're faffing about. Not it. a real doll, you stupid asshole. Is it not like the equivalent of going? Well, I need some help. Like I need some like hypnotherapy or something because I, I just I'm struggling so badly, like to quit smoking. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. You smoked the whole packet. <laughs> I don't know about psychiatry. I do know about wrestling. I know that this isn't wrestling, so I don't care to review it in my capacity as a pro wrestling content producer. Awful lot of perverts screenshotting it online. It's for them and not us. Indeed. Uh, Chad Gable's chatting with Kevin Patrick uh, and announced that the third academic challenge is going to be a quiz bowl. Uh, and he says Riddle and Orton are going to lose the quiz bowl, just like the Bengals are going to lose their bowl game and they can kiss their title rematch goodbye. Fantastic development on this show, I thought. Full stuff. Um, and then we got the uh, the final elim- Elimination Chamber qualifying match, Rey Mysterio versus AJ Styles. Uh, these two were great worked great together, shaking hands before the match as well. Um, Rey sends Styles into the barricade to take us through a break. When we come back, uh, Mysterio fights out of a chin lock. It's a tilt-the-world DDT crossbody off a springboard for a two-count. Styles fights back. Feynman's carry neck breaker. That gets him a two count. Uh, Styles ducks out of a 619, but Mysterio then managed to duck out of a phenomenal forearm. Hits him with a kick to the head. He gets a two count off that. Uh, he gets out of a middle rope Styles clash and hits a 619, but then Styles avoids the frog splash. Ray catches him in a crucifix pin because he just basically sits up. Uh, that gets a near fall. Styles fights back. Pele kick, but again, Ray counters the Styles Clash. Uh, but then Styles countered the seated senton and finally hit the Styles Clash to get the victory. Uh, he's entered into the match to join Austin Theory, Riddle, Rollins, Lesnar, and Lashley. What a stacked match that is for the Chamber. And what did you make of the match as well, Hamlet? Do you know, I thought this was really great, and they've yep. just got no right. Like, the combined age of these two must be around 90. I'm pulling that figure out my ass, but I bet it's close. Like, they shouldn't have the spring they've still got in the knees. They shouldn't have that extra gear, like, five or six minutes in of the intense cardio that goes into a match like this. They weren't pissing about. They were being AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio doing an AJ Styles-Rey Mysterio video game match to try and make this feel different because the worst thing that AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio can do is not look like themselves within the body of a very, very over-formatted WWE match, and I was just so pleased to see it. It's a rare case where both of them are trusted just be themselves. I think I think that's what we were watching. This takes, you put them two names next to each other on the board and you actually saved a bunch of people a load of work because it probably doesn't require agent and it probably doesn't require a writing. It probably requires two men at the curtain. So we've got this, aye, we've got this. And then ever so slightly getting sparked by the competitiveness to be better than the other. Like that little thing, oh, I know you thought I was getting on, but I'm still younger than you and my legs or whatever it is. And all of that came together magnificently. It was kind of empty calories, but Raw needs more of this, and you don't get to see the pros like this getting to have matches like this often enough. There are a few better wrestlers on the entire planet to this day, even though they've probably had their best years already. Mm. Like, there are few better wrestlers actually doing things that happen to look really cool, but all feel like they are trying to win at all costs. They're doing things to hurt their opponent. They're doing things to genuinely avoid being heard from their opponent. It's not this sort of overtly choreographed dance. It's just a fight that happens to look incredibly cool and spectacular. Like, people who don't watch Raw and listen to this podcast might be tempted to seek it out. I think you'll probably say, I've overrated this, but within the context of WWE, it's still, like, was such a joy to watch this. Um, Just little moments, like, where 
for a second, AJ Styles, having executed a move, thinks, oh, Christ, I can take a breather from this breakneck pace. And then Rey Mysterio, like, sort of cradled them a yeah. little. Just really nice. Uh, the constant sense that a victory was there to be achieved, them making it feel like it mattered more than virtually anyone else on the show. And I mean, from backstage to the producers, to the writers, to Vince, to everyone. Mm. Great stuff. Fantastic work. Uh, the main event was here, and it was the return of Ronda Rousey. She is back. She comes out to a huge bap. Uh, she comes out to uh, to get on the mic and say she's been debating whose title she wants to take at Mania, Charlotte's or Rebecca's. Uh, she's got unfinished business with both. She could choose Rebecca, but, you know, her attention is kind of a compliment to Becky that maybe she shouldn't deserve. Um, the biggest fight for any woman is always with her, and uh, Becky's stagnant title reign is not her I problem. I missed big words, Ronda. <laughs> the, the Asaurus Ronda. I mean, I can talk like Jesus Christ, but still... <laughs> She said uh, she, uh, she, Rebecca could al- Fleer. <laughs> she could always choose Charlotte just to prove that Becky is still on her undercard. But everyone's going to know that baddest big time bitch is her. And she throws the mic down. Out comes Becky Lynch, uh, who uh, you know says, oh, using government names, are we, Rhonda? Uh, she said, look, I'm the only one. Let's not forget who could beat you. Uh, nobody's beaten me for the title since then. Um, look, I understand if you want to choose Charlotte as the uh, as a sort of appetizer, but if you want to go straight for the meat and potatoes, you want to take a match with me. But, you know, make the decision soon. Time is money. Who's it going to be? The people want to know. And she offers the mic to, to Rondo, grabs her arm and tosses her over and holds that in that position where she could easily just snap back and potentially snap her arm in the arm bar. Instead, she just takes the mic from Becky and she says, you'll get your answer on Friday. She throws the mic down. She storms out of the arena uh, and Lynch gets on the mic and says, see, Ronda wanted nothing to do with me uh, or maybe she wanted to get out of Cincinnati even faster than I did. And suddenly, Lita's music hits. The crowd uh. chant her name. <laughs> Lita aptly says that was is that so the bit rude. at the start of the music. <laughs> she, uh, she says that was so rude. What is what's what lead She comes out and says, Hey, what, what what's all that about? Hey, what's Rhonda's problem with you, Becky? It's so rude. And Becky's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, Look, you can't you can't talk like that about you. You're the goat. She says, Yeah, yeah. She says you know, the first day I met you, I knew that you'd be right here. You set the division on fire, and Becky's just nodding away. She's loving all this praise she's getting. Uh, and Becky says, oh, I've been a fan of yours since I was a kid. And, she, and Lita says, yeah, I know the one thing I really respect about you. You're a fighting champion. You never back down from a challenge. And Becky's like, huh? what, what are you getting out of here? And she says, you know what, me and you, Lita versus Becky, elimination chamber. And Becky goes, Nah, no, I'm good. And Lita says, I know. It's a a lot of work, you know. I I don't want to go to a kingdom that treats women as second class citizens, Lita. We'll have it somewhere else. (laughs) But if if you're afraid, Becky, just just say it. Becky says, I'm not afraid. If you want it, you got it. And Lita smiles and walks out. She's got the match. Becky Lynch versus Lita for the Raw Women's Championship. Lita's first singles match in WWE for a decade. A hell of a way to sign off this show. Uh, <laughs> I liked the Ronda bit first. I like that more in concept than execution and not just because I kind of said that would what they would do. Like, I'll make her part of my undercard. I thought it was a, a, quite a neat way for Ronda to, like, not just 
challenge Becky there and then without looking like a coward. It's the she, elephant in the room that had to do something with these two. I thought that was the smart way to do it because it like puts the power in Ronda's hand as a baby face figure against this heel big time Becky character. Um, my issue with it was with Ronda's performance. I didn't particularly buy it. I don't know if it's just kind of settling back into the WWE script delivery mode. She was always better when she was strained from it, to be honest. When you just see the actual anger come out in between these words that you could see. Were, you can almost see them in front of her as if the autocue's right there yeah. and she's having to, like, recycle them. I, like, I think she'll get there, but this was rusty. It's, I'm going to be generous, like, week one for her. I thought this was rusty, and it sort of dampened the enthusiasm for the segment a little bit. Lita, on the other hand, I did not have as showing more charisma than Ronda Rousey on my 2022 bingo card, but here we are. Um, big worries for the match. There's not a lot of evidence to su- suggest that the quality is going to be high. However, they talked me into wanting to see it tonight, at least. Yes. I thought this was like really convincing back and forth between them. And if I'm going to give this match a chance, which I absolutely will, it's going to be on the grounds that Becky Lynch is going to see it as a pretty cool challenge. She has talked before about like her adoration of Lita, dressing like her as like people did of the Lita and the Hardys when she was getting into it. She's in this form that we acknowledge quite a lot. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt to use this form to get something great out of a legendary figure that has got a couple of high spots that she might not botch. And that's where this, <laughs> that's where this match could work. Like Le- a legendary figure who's got some high spots. She might not botch it. <laughs> she might not botch the moonsault. And if she doesn't, and the rest of the match has been great, the match is a hit. She might botch the moonsault and it might then fall apart. That's the reality, I think. Yeah, kind of disastrous, this. Like, I remember right. Back when I cared. 2011. Night after WrestleMania. The Rock. John Cena. Set up their match a year in advance. I'm like, oh, The Rock's coming back. This promo exchange is awesome. But the Rock's coming back. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be awesome. This is gonna it's be only awesome. 12 months. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, like, honestly, that was just absolutely on the hook. Like, a year in advance. I'll take it. And they've set up, effectively, Becky versus Ronda for another time. I'm like, bothered. Appetizer was quite a choice word in the promo. Becky saying something like, you know, I understand that you want Charlotte to be the appetizer or something like that. And it's like, you can't then say that. And then on SmackDown, it was a very, here's your main meal. It's an appetizer. (laughs) (laughs) Becky, sorry, Ronda versus Charlotte Flair was one million times better than the triple threat match. Yeah. I think this exchange between Ronda and Becky, Becky's miscast and Ronda's not there yet. Neither of these things help. But I don't think this exchange... I don't think they remembered when putting this together. People were like, ah, they completely botched the storyline. <laughs> it was worse. It was crap for longer than it was ever good, this Ronda versus Becky stuff. And they obviously have misplaced or they've misvalued the amount of nostalgia and hype this has got because I think this just didn't get over at all in the arena. It's partic- not especially on the level that they thought it was going to be. I don't think people are bothered by this. I think it's completely busted the myth of whatever this was once upon a time. Um, yeah, potentially a disaster of a segment. It's an awkward marriage, big time Bex and Ronda Rousey. If you think about the night after the Rumble 2019 and Becky Lynch, full the man regalia, like light not yet dulled by weeks of pretty lazy booking the and knee injury. Still terrible in 2019. Bad Rumble, but like she walks up to her and yeah. she says, I choose you. It's white hot. Like, people are, this is the yeah, match. it was awesome, it was Yeah, awesome. like, that, this character is so far removed from that, that, I don't know, I, I like... Becky Lynch apologised to the McMahons. Mm-hmm. 
Like people don't. Oh, they d- this they did stuff. ruin a lot of it at the time, and then you were just asked to forget it for the main event. But it's it's an, it's a year and a bit from now. But I'm not so sure that if this is the Becky Lynch that we're going to get in a year, that match is going to feel that appealing. I just run around some music hit and gets me every time. I want it to. I'd like this. I, I felt it at the Rumble massively, um, but it's I this. It's underwhelmed a little bit for me, if I'm honest. And uh, the, le- the leader announcement, Lita but, it, yeah. yeah, like Lita kind of coming out and be well. At least it hasn't ended on a downer because Lita's here. I wouldn't have expected no. that. So fair play. I, I really enjoyed this raw, even <laughs> as we've gone back through it. So yeah. uh, I'm intrigued to know everyone else's thoughts. Do let us know it uh, at What Culture WWE on Twitter. Watch. They can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at. M. Sidgwick. <laughs> Me, Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where you can also leave us a five-star review review suggestion, just like Darren Housen did, uh, something short crap and wrestling related. And we'll be back later on today with our NXT 2 ah! preview. But for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. 